Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. On this episode, we get to celebrate a massive win, uh, not just a regular win, a massive win, a 3-0 victory over those Vancouverites. Uh, Gary, um, you made the game. Mm-hmm. How was your experience up in the 104? Lovely. Yeah, it was a very, very pleasant atmosphere. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of like little footballers around me. Like, I guess there was like a kids tournament or something going on. Um, And all these little, little, like 12 year olds with, I think they were like Fundy FC or like some sort of like Bay of Fundy area (laughs) football team came in. But they all had like these massive sideshow Bobby sort of haircuts, like a bit David Louise, um, as as the kids do these days. Um, So like, luckily we stand so we could still see. I imagine if I was sitting behind them, I'd have just seen like this, this, this bulge of cauliflower sticking in front of me, and I and I say that as someone with curly hair myself, so not a criticism. I used to have a massive afro. Yeah, I uh, I actually got. Um, I wasn't going to go because obviously it was a jinx, but um, I snuck in. Somebody had a spare ticket for uh, one hundred four. Thank you, Brent. Um, oh, were getting... you in one hundred? Were you in one hundred four? Yeah, and my my friend uh, my friend Murphy came along too, and that. Uh, our buddy David David Glover gave us a ticket for him too. So it was it was actually first time I've been actually in the the tick of it because we were down like mm. towards the front. I was like, uh, I'm sure everybody knows who Chris Searle is. So it's just a couple of rows back from from Chris, and it was kind of nice. Like it's a really good view, like from being like that close to the touchline and mm. all that kind of stuff, and kind of see like hear and see what's kind of going on. But uh, it's just so funny how busy it is there. Though, like I mean, like we were like right in the middle of the row and. I was getting claustrophobic. I was like missing the patio, yeah. so I went over to the patio at, at halftime and watched the second half. Um, so I was like right behind the goal for Joe's uh, mm. uh, penalty, which was awesome. What did you think of the atmosphere in one hundred and four? Yeah, you know, it like pretty quiet where you were, or no? Like I, 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 I really find like I think wherever you are in the stadium, like like one hundred and eight and one hundred and nine are the noisemakers, and that's where most of the noise from the ground comes. So anybody who's ever been there will realize that. But I, th- I think um, the, the the people who are in that section are watching the game and they're mm. chirping at stuff and they're watching it. And like, it's not um, like I found I was barely talking to the people around me in a way because I was like, was, was more concentrating the game and the people around me were kind of watching the game and then chirping and making just a couple of claps and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a different it's definitely a different viewpoint. I feel like I felt like there was like a, a lot more people who were not to say anything wrong about 108 or 109, but like they're constantly just keeping the beat going for, for 19 mm. minutes, you know what I mean? So they've got like yeah. a lot going on. Whereas I, I, I it was kind of nice to be not distracted by uh, the usual kind of noise where, where I am in the patio, but then I did miss 
being able to wander around. I, I, I don't, I didn't like being confined. If I wanted to get a beer, I'd have to like jump over like 20 people to get there. So it's definitely <laughs> yeah. a, an experience. So yeah, it's, it's, you need a bit of everything, don't you? Like I think like 108 and 109, what they do, like you can't, you can't replace that because it's so integral to how a lot of people enjoy their first Wanderers game is the spectacle of what they're doing. Yeah. Kind of for a lot of people, if they're not into the sport necessarily, that spectacle will, will almost be 50% of the entertainment. So you never want to ever lose that. Um, but like personally how I like to enjoy the game is more kind of the 104-y sort of vibe so but yeah you need you need all of those things going on in a ground to make it like a good atmosphere yeah like like that and that's the thing like I mean like there's like everybody made it feel welcome obviously but it's like it's it, it we've talked before about this how knowledgeable the fan base is becoming and it's definitely mm-hmm. different um than than before and it's kind of, it is kind of nice because like if when you're in the patio and as you mentioned, 108, 109, it is a lot of people who are kind of just blow-ins because they're the cheap tickets and it's, you know, if you're, you're going to experience the game for the first time, you're kind of going to go there, right? Whereas I feel like if you're going to pay that extra bit of money, you tend to go to the stands and kind of want to watch the game. So, yeah, it was mm. it was actually, it was a nice change, but as I said, like, I needed to get back to uh, familiar surroundings. So, uh, yeah. Um, back to was, roots. Yeah, um, but, but uh, just getting into... Uh, oh, I did want to give a special shout out to whoever that person was <clears throat> right by the microphone when Joe Morelli took his penalty. I don't know if you heard it on one soccer. Dear no, God, I didn't. What they, did they, they were, say? They were like, like it was, it was crazy. Like they were, <laughs> uh, they were like basically like screaming that he's not a very good captain. Basically. <laughs> it was just, it was just, and it was like, it was obviously like right by that microphone that's over there. And it was like, <laughs> if the TV picked it up, but uh, yeah, it was, that's really really funny. I mean, as as bad as something like that is, like like invite like ask a goalkeeper who's played in like League of Ireland or Conference in England or League Two or League like what they've heard from the fans behind the behind the goal. Like it wouldn't like so telling someone they're a bad captain wouldn't even scratch the surface of what those. I know. Those boys it's, like, heard. it's like they like uh, it's like they go into like their family history to find out the most yeah the <laughs> most hurtful thing they can think of to say to them. But I I I feel like a lot of the. Uh, the goalkeepers like feed off that kind of stuff though. You know what I mean? Kind of makes them like energizes them a little bit. But uh speaking which, of goal- which once again like highlights the difference between professional athletes and us yeah. us regular folk. Like that <laughs> I'd be, would I'd be crying my eyes out. Mate, I would yeah, exactly. I'd be like, oh god, I am a bad captain, aren't I? We're bottom if, of the league. This is like awful. if I if I'd really ever like I have had it happen where like people are like, oh, like your your podcast isn't that great or whatever like that. I'd be like I'll be in tears basically. <laughs> you know, like my, my ego just can't take it. Whereas like these just stand there like uh just being heckled by like uh, a couple of thousand people. <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of goalkeepers, I guess like the the first topic we should really get into is poor Jan Filion once again Jan not being Gay. named in the team of the week. It just seems to be like an ongoing battle between... Because uh, I, I actually think air campaigns work here because uh, we did manage to get L. Wesley put into the team this week. So I think that mm. goes down to us, Gary. You know, I well, think yeah, that... I, I would hope we have a voice a voice in the league meetings. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure like uh, Christy and Jack and all those guys are sitting around going... Well, the down the pub lad, the down the pub lads think that we uh we need to get like Wesley Timoteo yeah. into this team, so I think we need to fit him in somewhere. But uh, like in all honesty, though, I mean, it is kind of tough when it's a three nil win. Like I can see why they picked Nate Ingham because I watched a bit of that game and uh, he he was good, but 
specifically didn't really offer too much going forward, to be perfectly honest. Whereas I, I think that there was a good spell uh, 10 minutes in the first half and then maybe 10, 15 of the second half before we got the penalty when Vancouver were on top and he pulled off some pretty decent saves to keep us in the game. What did you, what did you think? He's just been incredibly solid all season, hasn't he? He's barely made a mistake. You feel so calm and relaxed when he's playing. Like You just don't worry about crosses coming in. You don't worry about corners. Just a really, really good goalkeeper who... Like, I'm so happy we finally got him because I felt like there was rumours for years, like in the first season even, there were rumours we were getting him. And to finally do it and just have like an adult in goals. Yeah, and he, and he should have, like, I'm kind of low, I'm, I'm loath to get involved. And I did get involved because I yeah. fucking posted about it. But like, <laughs> I feel like I, I can't, you, we're kind of giving the league what they want, which is fine because I want to, I want to help grow the league and kind of build a conversation around this sort of thing. So as much as we go like, oh, they're just they're just tweeting that and making those decisions so people are talking, like I feel like even though we know we know we're being manipulated, we should probably still talk because it kind of creates a discussion around the league, which is healthy in terms of like me social media numbers or whatever. Um so yeah, we we started the official justice for Yan campaign, didn't we? Yeah, I got. I, th- I think I upset a couple of Ottawa fans, not for the first time. <laughs> I like last night. I was like watching some stuff on TV, and then I checked my phone, and like my my latest two like notifications were someone being like, "This is fucking lame," and then the next person called me a dork. I've like I've never been called a dork before. I felt wow. like I was finally living my childhood dream of like getting onto an episode of Saved by the Bell and having and being like insulted <laughs> by a Saved by the Bell bully. <laughs> Check that oh, one off. Hell. Zach will have to come and, and rescue you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I, I don't think it takes much to upset the uh, the Ottawa fan base, to be perfectly honest. So, um, but yeah, like it's, it's just, it's baffling to me at this stage that he's had so many good games and it, he just doesn't seem to, be able to get into the team but I guess that's it's not their decision and it, it, that's the, the thing about football it's all opinions right and I think uh, yeah. you know it, it's one position uh, so it's kind of difficult for them to, to to try and put everybody in but I think he's just been having a phenomenal season I think that's a sign of like where we are right now, I mean, like that we're kind of scrambling to have five players in the team of the week. Yeah, of that's the thing, and I think if we hadn't, if we didn't have four in there already, he probably would have got the nod. But I like, like, kind of all Twitter posts aside, like I, I can understand why it was Nate Ingham as well completely, and it will be Jan eventually. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, especially with the campaign that we've started, you know. Um, yeah, um, we exactly. we also we also want to start a, a justice for Gary campaign. He's not a dork; he's a nerd. I'm I'm exactly. <laughs> There's yeah. a huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So you know, like obviously, uh, the the game against um, uh, Pacific, uh, which which I went to and and ruined our run. But you know, uh, what did you think of the difference between how we started that Pacific game? And how we started this one because this one it was just it's like somebody had flipped flipped the switch and we were back we're buzzing with energy from the get go. And it's how is how we is how we react to defeat that's been pleasing all season. Like we've we tend to produce a really good performance after after defeats. Even after we lost to York early in the season three 0 at home. Next week we were playing Pacific away, like arguably our hardest fixture of the season and we produced a really really good performance so that's that's pleasing that tells me like psychologically from a mentality perspective the players are pretty spot on and they can just kind of like 
draw a line under the sand with with a bad performance so yeah it was really good really really bright start um lineup was interesting when you saw um Peruzza Peruzza yeah okay we've we've got previous with butchering these names so Peruzza and Morelli and Ferrin like you look at those front three and you know for sure Ferrin's going to be hugging the left touch line but I I was very curious to see what the the dynamic would be between Morelli and Peruzza. I, I actually thought Morelli would be central and Peruzza playing from the right and cutting in onto his left. But they did something that we talked about being a possibility, which was Morelli doing the Aidan Daniels thing of being kind of primarily a right winger, but a right winger who drifts centrally to pick up the ball in the pockets there. Um, and that worked quite well. So I think... Um, I think it was a bright start, and like we, we, I don't feel like we tend to score in the first five minutes very often. I know. And then two minutes later, we nearly scored again. And I, I turned to Shep at the time, and I was like, "We might spank someone. We've never like properly slapped someone about, have we? It's always a bit like back and forth, a bit nervy at the end. Like even when we were beating Pacific two 0 a few weeks ago, and they were down to ten men, it was still a bit nervy because they scored late on. So, so yeah, it was a, it was a really really bright start and and kind of settled everyone a little bit because you don't want to have two defeats in a row. It's it's just a sign of like how uh, deep the squad is right now. And we've kind of touched on it before, but you know, like you're able to keep Aiden Daniels out, who's probably having like the season of his life right now. And, mm. you know, you're able to bring like Joe Morelli in to, to, to replace him. It's just, <clears throat> it's just phenomenal. Like, but I, I did kind of just one of those pieces of it, like that, that I've kind of come into uh, help the squad out, you know, uh, like Peruta. What did you think of his performance? I think maybe he hasn't been playing so much for TFC because he seemed very rusty, I think. Uh, like, he, he had some nice touches. Like, he had a couple of good chances. But, like, the the one that he – the big one that he had, he kind of fluffed his lines a little bit and hit a kind of a, a nice height for the goalkeeper. But uh, overall, I think he was uh, pretty energetic and um, was willing to get on the ball. What did you think of his performance? I thought very a very very polarizing performance because he did one he did one of his jobs really really well one of his jobs really badly and everything else kind of in the middle so to start with the good stuff I thought off the ball some of the runs he was making were were phenomenal like really like he he was running like the, he, have you heard of the, heard of the thing of like like you do you, a striker should make two runs one for the defender and one for the passer. So you make one run for the defender where you kind of will curve one way to make them think you're going to make this run and then another run for the passer, the run you actually want to receive the ball for. And he was very, very good at that. And he kept kind of curving his run off the shoulder. And it wasn't his fault that a lot of the time none of our players saw those runs, which is which is just a case of players getting to know one another. Like give it another few weeks and and your, your Lorenzo's, um, your Timoteo's, they'll spot those runs, no problem. So that was really good. Like his off the ball running was really good. A couple of chances, which I, I thought they were both like fairly good finishes, to be honest. I don't, he didn't like completely bollocks either of them up. He was just quite unlucky. Um, especially the first one, the the ball was flashed across by Timoteo. Yeah. And he kind of like, that was like a, that was a really kind of instinctive finish. And he was a bit unlucky there. So no, no problem with those chances at all. The thing I thought he struggled with was his first touch. Um, yeah. I thought his first touch was incredibly clunky. Um, he looked incredibly rusty, but that's absolutely fine. It's fine that his first touch was off. He hasn't played a lot of football in quite a long time. And 
Like you don't get to the level he's got to in his career if you've got a shit first touch. That is literally just a lack of match practice. And that will come that will come probably in the next game after another week of training, the first touch will be there. So like the unteachable stuff, the stuff that's kind of instinctive, he's got in abundance. And the more kind of match fitnessy stuff will come. So yeah, up and down performance from him, but 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 like you can see the potential, can't you? Yeah, like I, I definitely didn't notice the the, the first touch because there was a couple of chances, like a couple of times when he'd lost the ball just on kind of routine passes, I guess. But it, it is that kind of match fitness because when you're in training and all that kind of stuff, it it's not the same. And like one thing, like like my, uh, one of my friends who played professionally said, like this the thing that will always get you is that this the whip that people get given a pass like when it, like a routine pass comes yeah like really fast. Mm. You know, like, it, I don't think we realize how quick all that stuff is when you're watching it because it's just, you know, but uh, like somebody's like fizzing the pass into you, it's quite difficult to, if you're not used to it or you're not being doing it very much uh, to kind of get your head around it. But yeah, I, I think it was a good, a great run out for him. Um, I, there's definitely potential there. Like, he looks like, as you said, that first chance, uh, that would have been a, a hell of a finish, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just said, I just thought the second one, I just that looked a little bit ring rusty to me, too. Like, I mean, like, I think on a uh, on a perfect day that's gone into the corner somewhere like low rather than the way he hit it but um the, the way he finished it that would have been the most Robbie Fowler finish Robbie Fowler yeah. goal ever wouldn't it yeah big time but I, yeah. I mean like that's like you know um it, it just goes to show like that we're uh nitpicking basically I think uh on on a hell of a performance but um I also wanted to kind of touch a little bit on uh you know like Joe doesn't do the, the amount of running that Aiden Daniels does it's just not mm. in his makeup like you know he will track back to a certain degree, but he, he's not going to hustle the way that Aiden's been this season. So uh, what did you think of uh, Riley Ferrato's? Is he basically like, he was guarding that whole right side to himself. I mean, there was times when he was like, um, I, I mentioned to one of the, the guys that sent me side me that um, when they were attacking, he was like slotting in as an extra defender. And then he'd mm-hmm. have to boot it across because they had like a lot of stuff coming down his side. And then he had to boot, I, like I'd say his heat map must be crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought he had a really good game, Riley Ferrazzo, actually. And I think both of the fullbacks were a little bit different. I thought Timoteo got forward a bit more than he usually does, because we've talked before about how he's essentially normally a left centre back who doesn't really cross a halfway line. Wasn't really happening like that on on Saturday. He was getting forward a lot more. I do wonder where that license came from, whether that was the coaching staff noticing something tactically about like the opportunity to overload the the right-hand side of the Vancouver defense. Not sure what the reasoning was, but it worked because Timoteo got an assist and should have had another assist as well. So, um, and for, for Atso, like for Atso played as a right back much differently from Zach Fernandez, who plays a right plays as a right back, like he's actually a right winger, but Ferrazzo kind of kept the whip for a lot, but he also didn't advance too much. And I do wonder if that's because, like you said, with with Morelli, um, he doesn't run as much as Aidan Daniels, of course. And and you kind of you don't want him to as either. Like you want him to be kind of just ghost-like and slipping into space and drifting into areas where defenders can't see him. So if you're the right back then, you need to be a lot more switched on and to be able to cover those areas defensively, which I thought Riley Ferrazzo did really well. I thought his touch and his on the ball work was really good as well so yeah it was a, it was a great performance from both our center backs um i think the structural the structural stability we have at the back at the moment is really good we're not conceding many goals at all 
Um, I think we've got the second best defence in the league. And that's kind of the second best defence in the league by playing still quite a progressive attacking style. So the the distances and the spacing is really good. And there's an understanding between teammates now. There's a relationship between teammates where it's kind of more it's more easily understood and more instinctive, like what the person who's playing on the same side of you is going to do. So you know to adjust how attacking you're going to be based around that. We, we saw um, a bit more of Daniil Henry just uh, in this game. Like, I mean, like, uh, mm. <laughs> then we've kind of seen, how, how do you think he's fitting into the into the team? Obviously, he had the the captain's armband, which uh, we all kind of probably thought was going to happen at some stage. But uh, what did you think of the, the, the minutes that he got? And is he starting to look a little bit sharper? Yeah, big time. I thought he looked excellent actually on Saturday. Really, really good. He looked like he seemed to like have a bit of that snappiness back to him. Um, I thought the games he played so far, he looked fine. He was an organizer, but he looked like slightly, slightly sluggish, which again is completely understandable given the lack of football. But he was really, really sharp on Saturday. And you just notice as soon as he comes on, he he's just like, right, I'm the guy now. Like I'm going to be the organizer. Like the aggressiveness in which after we cleared a corner, he shouted at the other defenders to get the line up. Like the kind of the other defenders kind of cleared and were kind of getting back into position. But he was yelling like up, 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 getting the line kind of advanced. So we were playing the Vancouver attackers offside. So they couldn't kind of win that second ball and drift another crossing. So that kind of organisation is really important. And what I what I'm finding interesting is when he's coming when he's been coming on for us, he's not been coming on for a player like for like. We've actually been moving to a back five when he's been coming on, and it's kind of I've been understandable so far because it's been in games where we're like leading by one goal and we need to kind of hang on to something. So okay, throw an extra defender on, expect crosses into the box. But in this game, he came on. And we played with a back five when we were two nil up and really, really comfortable. And that kind of makes you think like, is, is that a game state thing or are they having a look at that for future fixtures that might be a bit more difficult? Like, and I'm thinking like even forge this weekend, forge a team who their superpower in attack is creating overloads in wide areas and finding kind of passing lanes between the center back and the fullback. That's what they love to do. So if you play five at the back and kind of completely take away that space, then you might get some joy against them. Saying that, I, I like I, as much as that might happen, I don't know if, how much Patrice will want to change his system going into such an important match as well. But it's just something to keep an eye on. And, and it's, it's got me thinking about something Arteta has been, sorry to bring up Arsenal, but like Arteta always talks about this idea of like not, he doesn't like refer- referring to players as substitutes who come on. His, he calls them like starters and finishers. And now there's five subs, this idea of you're not a sub. That's not like a negative thing where you've been relegated to the bench. You're one of our finishers. So there is a we reach a certain point in the game when you are incredibly valuable and you will come on and serve a purpose that way. Like, don't worry about don't worry about starting games or first 11s. Worry about minutes at the end of the season. And and I, I see like Danelle Henry at the moment as being a really, really important finisher for us. Because he, Shep and I were talking about this at the time. Like when he came on, we were 2-0 up cruising. And we had a conversation about like, Shep was like, kind of, why is he coming on? Like, we need to like kind of 
goal difference is important given how like tight everything is and like we need to score more goals and kind of the conversation evolved and we were like well actually not conceding a goal has as much kind of goal difference benefit as scoring an extra goal so if we're happy just to kind of sit on two nil and maybe catch them on the break brilliant that's just as important as kind of busting our balls to score a third goal um, and then risking conceding a goal and then etc etc so yeah Daniel Henry as a finisher at the moment is a really important role for us but I do wonder is there going to come a point where he's going to start knocking on Patrice's door saying like no I want to start mate you got to give me a start I'm a Canadian international and all of that um but, but he he might equally be really happy with the role he's got in the club and who knows yeah, I, I I totally agree with you there in in terms of um like he, he's just such a common influence when he comes on. I think that like in in certain games when we've been kind of panicking, you know, towards the end of games, like that that little bit that we all seem to get into trouble towards the end of the game. Sorry, mm. him coming on, it, it's just you know the boys look up maybe and just go like, oh, here's the nail, thank God. You know what I mean? It's like the the, mm. the cavalry's coming in to to save the day kind of thing. You know what I mean? And just everybody just seems to uh like calm down or ease it ease out a little bit when he comes in because he as you said that organizational skill it's just so difficult to uh to have somebody that's able to do that like um you know but I, i'm i'm really happy with like what he's brought to the club so far and i think a lot of people are probably just thinking that he's just here just to to tune up and then he's gonna fuck off kind of thing which probably will happen but at the same mm-hmm. time uh, i think we're definitely getting the benefit of it because anybody i've talked to like i i uh, was talking to Kay last week like he's everybody's thriving off having someone with that experience around so it's it's been a an amazing uh signing by the club to be honest just speaking he seems of the, like a oh, great sorry, guy it seems like a great guy as well that i loved the 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 video the league put out of him being mic'd up before the york game and i like i know like this the the cynic in everyone is going well he knew he was mic'd up so obviously he's going to act in a good way and whatever but i don't like you can't you Based can't on. fake that to that degree. He's, he's clearly a lovely guy, so so happy he's at the club. Yeah, and and just got talking with defenders there. I um the <laughs> want to get your thoughts on uh the, the thing with Dan Nimick there from the, mm-hmm. the secret scout saying that uh <laughs> there's a MLS teams which we all thought would probably be a thing, but uh also Premier League clubs looking at them, um, which like that's that's amazing. Uh, what, what what did you think when you saw that? It's very interesting because that that Twitter account kind of it's one of those Twitter accounts you you see quite a lot because it's always kind of other people you know are retweeting it. And it, I mean, the, apparently the guy's legit. Like he's a legit secret scout. Like he's followed by Fabrizio Romano, David Ornstein, who are like literally the two oracles of breaking transfer news. Those two are. Um, so like he's obviously legitimate and has co- like really good contacts within the game. So there's no there's no reason for me to think that. Well, I mean, what what's he got to gain from posting something like that? It's not exactly going to do big numbers because half yep. the people that follow him have never even heard of the Canadian Premier League. <laughs> so he's posting it because it's legit information. Like, and it's not like. Dan Nimick's agent has the pull to say, hey, Secret Scout, put this tweet out because then my client will have a bit of, like, his agent's probably just some random guy with a couple of players on his books. Like, like so that is legit information. And ML, like you said, MLS stuff doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Like, 
I feel like we've been saying since week one, he's going to be in MLS next season. Like there's no way he's with us next season, which is, which is fantastic. Um, but Premier League interest, that's, I mean, that's... I don't, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, whether that's kind of coaches he knew at Leeds, scouts he knew when he was at Leeds who were taking another look at him. Maybe that's just kind of players are always being looked at from different levels of the game. I mean, if you're like, if you're a Premier League club and you've got feeder clubs, you want to make some smart loan moves. Uh, I mean, it would still that would be an astronomical jump from the Canadian Premier League to the English Premier League. So let's be absolutely realistic. That's probably not going to happen. Um, but you, I, honestly, I could see him playing in League Two, maybe even pushing for League One one day. I think I think the ceiling is that high with him. Um, or MLS, where you can like make a really good living and have a good like. 10 to 15 year career there and yep. walk out of it with a couple of million in your back pocket. Like, why not? Why not just take that route instead of sludging it about in league two pitches, but either way. Yeah. Like delighted for him. And I'm, I'm absolutely convinced he's going to break the CPL transfer record within the next six months. So if it was you, um, yes. like, you know, would you look at it as if we go to the MLS, I do well in the MLS, that trip back to the UK, will probably happen eventually anyway or do you like go for the the glitz and the glamour because i guess like uh, calvary had that player the, the pepple was that his name mm. uh who's with luton so like he went to luton who were riding high in the championship at the time but then he got like sent out on loan to fucking grimsby or something <laughs> like that. so like you oh. know it's it's not always the most glamorous whereas you know even if he goes to mls and he plays in mls next pro you can see from Mo Farsi, the, the the person we said was going to go nowhere, uh, shows what we know about it. But, <laughs> oh, I forgot uh, about that one. <laughs> yeah. Add that to the fucking list. <laughs> so, but like, in the, and but he progressed, and he's in. Uh, he he's now like playing for the crew on the regular, and you know you've got, uh, well Lavelle Wright, who's out in Vancouver, who's probably knocking the door of the first team there too. So, what would you do? I th- I think it depends. It depends what he values in his career, doesn't it? I mean, quality of life or. Or like, like, I think I actually think the pull of European football and playing in Europe is way bigger for North American players than players who have left Europe to come here or to come to to come to America. I think it's kind of this mythical place where within like kind of the soccer circles and the youth development in this country, it's this mythical place where you, when you go there, you've made it. Like kind of like British bands before, like if they crack America, they've made yep. it sort of thing. Um, but the reality is that's a really it's a really difficult life. Like I've I've got mates who played non-league for years, non-league, like league two for years, and it's an incredibly stressful life. Like a lot of one-year contracts, a lot of not having no idea like if you're gonna have a livelihood the following year. Um, some really rough stadiums, really awful changing rooms some really awful shocking challenges and aggressive stuff like that so i mean if uh, maybe the, maybe i'm saying this from the perspective again of someone and you're the same as me who who lived in the uk and ireland and and then moved over here and like the lifestyle here like if i was him i would just sign a nice contract in mls play play 10 years in fucking charlotte north carolina or or, or New York or wherever, like have a lovely life, make really good money um, and just just do it that way. But again, you don't know what his ambition is. Is his ambition to like kind of break through in, in England and prove to himself he can or is he just kind of 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like I don't know the guy, so I can't really say, but I, either uh, way he'll do well. I, I think that um it's it, you're right, it, it is kind of totally uh, a different perspective because he's gone through the slog right i mean like he's gone through the academies and mm-hmm. you know he, he's had that rejection and uh, all that kind of stuff and he's had to kind of rebuild his career in an awful lot of ways right i mean like he had to go through the university system in the states like it, it would be kind of but then obviously you, you kind of miss home too right so well yeah. if it was me i'd probably go the mls route too i'd be like mm-hmm. you know just what like you've been there you've lived through the the crap that you have to go through back home and stuff like that like you know whereas here you have probably built a nice life already and you know just, just keep it going so yeah so the only thing he needs to remember though is if wherever he goes he's he needs to send his two favorite podcasters a signed jersey every year there's not much to ask, i think it? that yeah it goes about saying like yep. hey mate that, that that you could get some currency out of you the interview you did with him one day if he makes it to the very top just so you know, the secret scout uh, does not listen to this. Does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> or if he slightest. if he did, he would have tweeted about yeah. Lorenzo by now. Yeah. The amount I bang on about him. Oh fuck yeah, I know it's true. But yeah, yeah but but you know, it, it, it's one of those kind of crazy things, and it's you know, you, uh, he doesn't seem the type of guy who's gonna let that shit go to his head, and you kind of. It's a, York, it's a Yorkshireman. There's not a chance yeah, that goes to his head. I know. I know. He's just, <laughs> just at home having like a, a slice of hobus and a cup of tea. And it's like, oh, Yorkshire Golden. <laughs> oh, that sounds promising. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, like Alan Watson comes in all Essex. Fucking dancer. Bertie, big bollocks. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are, son? What's that, uh, Callum? <laughs> oh fuck yeah man it's uh but it is just great to to hear our players just being kind of even mentioned in mm. the, the like those sort of terms and it just it's such a hope such a great profile booster for the club too that you know that's being put out there like i know the league as well but you know right do, now like do you know how how transfers work like if say we sold him for seven hundred and fifty thousand, like how's that divvied up between the club and the league or does it all go back into csb um, I don't think like, I've ever like read the answer anywhere to that. I actually don't know because, uh, mm. yeah, uh, answers on a postcard, please, to let us know. Does the club keep? I'm pretty sure the club keep, keeps a transfer because, like, they're obviously paying his wages and all that kind of stuff. Like, they mm. are, like because I know that they, I don't know whether they pay into, but there is like a, a database that they have where they can access like players and player information and kind of scout that way. So yeah. if they if they Maybe they might have to pay something into that system because that's where they got them from or whatever. But uh, as far as I know, it goes back into the club. If anyone would like to slide into our DMs to tell us, we we can be discreet with information. We promise. If anybody wants to We know things. (laughs) If Lorenzo wants to slide into Gary's DMs, (laughs) I'll let him know how the transfer systems work. We'd much appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, like I I didn't want to like, you know, the the, the goals were phenomenal. I didn't really want to like go through them and like ad nauseum because like you know we've got so many coverages of, of the game but um I, I did kind of want to uh just talk a wee bit about like that first goal like and how uh it was just great play all around wasn't it I mean mm. it was just it was patient the uh like the how Fruta like made a run knocked the ball back I'm not too sure who gave it back to Rampersat and then that that cross was phenomenal. Like it was yeah. so good, and the finish, like a beautiful, mean, beautiful like, finish. We, we've had such a great season of really good goals. It's like it's like 
we haven't had that many goals anyway, but now like a lot of them are really good goals. Like even <laughs> yeah. goal was amazing. Like the yes, great goal. Yeah, yeah so... when we when we do our end of season awards and it's we're trying tough. to pick goal of the season, still Ferrin against Forge is still just about shading it for me, but. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the season when hopefully yeah. we're also discussing a championship win. But anyway, I know. Um, yeah, it was a great goal. Like I love, I love a guided goal when a kind of player just uses the pace of a ball to guide it into the net. And that was one of those. And I think an unsung hero of that goal was Thomas Geraldo. Because if you look as the ball is approaching Rampy, um, Morelli and I think Ferrin are both in the box and both, or Peruzzo, sorry, Peruzzo, sorry. They're both in the box and they're both being ma- marked man for man. And then Geraldo just makes a run in front of the guy marking Morelli. He goes with Geraldo and then suddenly in a split second, Morelli's standing in an acre of space and fantastic ball from Rampy and brilliant finish. Yeah, M- M- Morelli's like so good at that, like pointing that space like that, you know, like mm. just dropping off his marker. Like it's kind of real old fashioned kind of, Gary Lineker kind of play, you know, just yeah. uh, just dropping off your marker. But uh, yeah, like I, I just feel like we've been spoiled this year, and I, I just uh, like it's, it's great, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's you know going to games with a smile on your face and leaving games with a smile on your face. It's such a, it's such a good, a good feeling. But um, I, I think another one of the the hot topics right now at the moment is obviously our under twenty one minutes and how we're going to get to the uh, the threshold by the end of the year and. Mm. Did you think? Because I heard a kind of a couple of people muttering like about how we should have had players come on early. There was talk of you know take um, Jan off and bring Rushnas on for like the last little bit because we were three 0 up and mm. it, you know just trying to get over this threshold. We on the last episode we kind of talked about like how it's kind of lost its purpose because all you're doing is just trying to fit people into yeah to to hit a metric. But um, what did you think of, like, should we have made our substitutes sooner? Should we have brought the under-21s in a little bit sooner? What did you What did you think about that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I think I think the, the, the club probably have a plan. I don't think they're just winging it and hoping it all comes together in the end because, I don't know, how many minutes do we need per, per game now? Like 120, yeah, so, maybe? 110? So, Dan, like we've that. got, uh, I think we have to hit, 2000 and we've like less than a thousand right now or oh, we're just yeah. i think we're just over a thousand just over a thousand right yeah, yeah. so i'm i'm sh- i'll give the club a, the benefit of the doubt like i'm sure there's a plan in place um but it's, it's looking quite difficult but when when i first when kind of like stuff was breaking in the back channels a couple of weeks ago that we were taking someone on loan from tfc i completely assumed it was an under 21 player and we just needed someone of like real high quality under 21 who we could just play because like the fact is I'm not sure how much he trusts Armin Wilson. I'm not sure how much he trusts the goalie. I think he certainly trusts Thomas Geraldo and he certainly trusts Tiago Coimbra who must be injured or something because yeah. he hasn't been on the bench much lately. And I, and I think they were banking on him being fit right now. So because he, he could, he can get you 90 minutes whenever you want, basically. Um, so they'll have to they'll have to come up with something. If I had to guess, I would say they'll probably prioritize home games for definitely winning. And then maybe kind of once playoffs are hopefully looking a bit more assured, kind of use those away games to get the numbers up and get the minutes up because like what's the punishment like they stop you from playing in the playoffs or something if you don't yep. meet the numbers i mean they have to they, they don't yep. have a choice they have to so i don't i don't think they i don't think they do it against forge 
but I would expect like in the away game versus Valor, maybe the next away game versus Vancouver, um, you see kind of a few of the under 21 starting just to kind of in one game, you can kind of clear 150 minutes or whatever. And then that helps, yeah. but yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit dicey. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and York are even in a worse position, than mm. those, like that. but they, um, I, I, I think they've got like a few more under 21s they can actually use. But the, the thing for us is that, um, with the Coimbra situation, for instance, <clears> that like if somebody gets injured, like we're fucked <laughs> because like they're, they're the ones yeah. that are trying to like, if, you know, if Geraldo if, gets injured as well yeah. again, and and they have been a little bit dicey with like some of their um uh with, with injury wise. I mean like uh, mm. Coimbra's missed a few games, Geraldo's missed a few games. So uh, here's hoping because it, it and to be honest with you, I mean if, if it does get fucked up and we don't make the playoffs, obviously it's a massive oversight by the club. But at the same time, compared to where we were last year, I, I think people yeah. will be more willing to kind of forgive them a little bit. But hopefully there's a a plan. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure. I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> or else the last game is going to be like, oh, we're going to have a huge injury list. We're going to have to call up the whole under 18 squad or something. To, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, man, like, I, I think overall, like, you know, um, it, sometimes it's more difficult to uh, to talk about a great performance because there's nothing really to, you can say. No. Because, like, unfortunately, we're, we're uh, a species of naysayers and we want to be like, nitpicky and like show talk more than anything right so i mean uh well we, I, I, we kind of learned how to do this sort of podcast format last season where every week was pretty demoralizing <laughs> so we 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 built we built this based on like kind of analyzing to death mistakes and how to make things better and like what do we do with a with a fan base that's kind of melting in front of our very eyes and all of that stuff so when you get when you get games like saturday where it's just like kind of a real run of the mill easy three nil home win and like my god the, the i've prayed for days like this since i yeah. became a wondrous fan like this this is the first time that's ever happened in four years like where it's just been a really comfortable easy win and you just kind of feel relaxed i mean i even noticed at the end like you know the big celebrations we always do at the end where the players do the jumpy thing and yeah. then they run with a flag like it was still brilliant and it was still really fun but it almost felt a bit like oh yeah this is what we do this is just what we yeah. do like we have it rather than like a few of when we first started with this run it was absolute euphoria for some of those like i still regularly think about that forge game the that forge win and like the euphoria and like how rabid and crazy and happy everyone was at the end of that and and like which is great you need moments like that but it was also like Saturday's more like yeah we won we're, we're a really good team and we win at home that's what we tend to do we're still going to show appreciation but you can't kind of fake that oh my god we won sort of feeling can you so it was more yeah it's it quite nice yeah it's it like you know and being, being honest I kind of prayed for episodes like this where we're just uh just shooting the shit just mm. talking about like random stuff that I, I kind of enjoy it but um i guess like i didn't have a uh a beer to spark open this week because uh molson haven't ponied up with anything but uh haven't they are they not well, they're not giving you anything no it's uh you know and, and uh, the worst thing is is that like every time i'm at the grounds i always drink coin again because that's like my favorite beer it's twelve dollars plus tax for a fucking can of beer at the one. Mate, I know it's, it's ridiculous. And it's then like you, you stick a tip in on top of that too. It's a f fucking expensive day. Anyway, I know. Um, I, so, yeah. I, w 
I kind of I'm still bitter here where like no pub really has pints, do they? They have like the North American sized pints. Yeah. And just paying that much money for like what's not actually a full pint is still annoys me a bit. And yeah. although I will say this, and I'm not I'm not doing this as a uh um uh, an advertisement or anything like that, but I went to I come to go to, I was going to Beer Fest, but I stopped off at Kyber just to have a a swifty before i headed down mm. and all of their garrison are like tall ships and that was like five five dollars really? for a point yeah it was kind of it was i was pleasantly surprised to be honest i was like i wish i'd fucking just stayed here and watched the <laughs> to be honest but yeah, yeah. Like, i i was in i was in amherst a lot of last week which is like this small well it's probably not by nova scotia standards but it's a small town like near the border of new brunswick just like for some stuff and i went to like a little sort of divey bar there when i was there and like their pints were pints in inverted commas were 450 and Holy like shit. no no local beers just like bud light um cause light is that sort of stuff but like it, it was absolutely fucked in there but it was a really cheap pint sometimes you gotta like uh pull up with that you go to to get yeah. like a, ch- a cheap beer so um yeah so we, we will still do a remote man the max so who was your uh your man the match in this one Timoteo. And we didn't talk about him once actually, but Timoteo yeah. was was phenomenal. Brilliant, brilliant performance. He's and like he's he's been brilliant defensively since he became a left back, but he's also started to really, really add end product as well. Even from deeper areas, like the assist for the assist for um Ferrin was was outstanding. What a what a pass that was. Oh my mm. god. And I, I love uh, his I love his sleepy little eyes as well. He always looks like he's just woken up from a nap, doesn't he? <laughs> Like looking around all, all disorientated from it's, a nap, like I think that's just a lull in the the attacking players here, the false insecurity. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm actually like you know obviously Joe Morelli stands out, Massimo Ferran stood out, but mm. I'm gonna give it to um another unsung hero, Riley Fratt. So I think he was amazing. I think he had a lot a lot to do, and he did his job really really well and you know for most of that first half he was tracking two players at all times and he did a hell of a job so yeah um really really happy with how things are going uh let's hope that we get a result on the road on on saturday it's saturday right saturday yeah 8 p.m 8 adt yeah nice um so yeah gareth uh great to hang out again great to too, uh mate. yeah um so yeah maybe this time next week uh chelsea will have bought Dan Nimick, who knows? <laughs> they seem to have bought everybody else at this fucking stage. Like today, <laughs> two more players. Like they've got that oh, Southampton kid and that uh, Lise guy from uh, Crystal Palace. They're fucked as a football club. I, Dan Nimick should not go there. That's my advice. Yep. League two or MLS, not Chelsea. Absolutely. Or Tottenham. Of a club. Or to- yep. Oh, please, God, no. Yeah. yeah. Shit show of a club, too. <laughs> All right, man. Take right, care. Mate. Speak to you in a bit. Bye. Bye. Right, folks, please. Time to drink up, folks. Get out.